your favorite cartoon characters will help you understand how drugs and alcohol can ruin your life. So watch the program. Talk about it with your family. trying to avoid talking about the uh, sad path story <laughs> it's a good story i mean, I mean it is but it's, you're it's right worth it watching. is it is it is basically you know there's it not much happens in it because it is like you said it is the story of having cats and you know and um just what's the girl's name in this uh sarah i, I thought it was sarah? diana or wait no, no diana's no, name had is diana yeah, so yeah she's she has this kitten that she's known for shortly before she learns to play the piano. So the cat, so her friendship with this cat extends over her slow mastery of the art of playing piano. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's, and it makes the fact that eventually Diana does in fact, just die of old age. As far as I can tell, 14 years old and 14 years old, which is, a lot of my cats have lived longer than that. My, the one that, the one that I'm, st- I'm still hurting for the loss of years later. His name was Horse. He was he was 18 years old when he died, oh, wow. and he was a he was a big badass guy, and it was a it was a dog that took him out because oh. you know I don't think I don't think natural causes would have come for him. He would have <laughs> taken them out, but right. But oh. at the same time, you know, it's like I had. I was 18 when I got him. I was 36 when I lost him. And it, that's, that was half my life with, well, one of the most reliable friends I'd ever had. So yeah. I, I feel a lot for Sarah in this story and how, I mean, Sarah, she has, this, the cat has been her friend for longer than the piano has. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go back when they, they've always been one of the same to you when, you know, there's, there's me and my cat piano. It's like, Oh, the cat was separate. From the piano. Like, like, like design wise, it like it. The thing it kind of reminds me a little bit of is from another ensemble. Like, not so much in style, but I guess like or design as much as like the style of animation. Um, have either of you ever heard of the film Allegro Non Troppo? Yes, I know that one. That it, was the it, uh, that was Bruno Bozzetto's homage to Fantasia. Yes, or like a barbed parody of fantasia i would say <laughs> but like uh uh in did you say deparved a, a a barbed like oh barbed okay <laughs> i thought you would really mispronounce depraved <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm, my mouth is kind of dry but no it's like there's just like okay like for those who don't know it's it's a great film it's basically just like a like a 70s italian piss take on disney's Fantasia, but um, but it's really cool and really creative, especially the uh, bolero segment, which is like the parody of the March of Life. Um, That's but uh, that is that the the animation? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, this reminding you of? No, 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 no. The the thing that it's reminding me of is the sad cat segment from like Oh, of course. About like of course. The oh go- no, I know what you're talking the, about. The ghost of the cat from the burned down house. Oh, yes. I don't. The cat is seeing the visions of all the lifetime life that it was a part of, and then it comes to the realization that oh, I was going, I was lost in this fire too. Yep. Oh. Uh... Which I mean is it, it's it's almost incongruous with the rest of Allegro Non Trovo, which is like very like even at its darkest is very comedic. It's like, but that one's just like a straight up punch to the heart i actually thought the style the style of this segment in in garfield sorry it yeah. it reminds me of um the art of uh virginia lee burton you know she sees those children's books um like um uh mike mulligan steve shuttle oh yeah i know you're right it's got that kind of that kind of 
dustiness to it. Yeah, sort of. yeah. Particle-y. <laughs> yeah. But... I don't know how you des- how else you would describe it, but yeah, Mike Milligan and the steam shovel, which always seemed really that always seemed really sad to me too because the steam shovel was trapped. Yeah, doesn't <laughs> they turn them into a house? Yeah, they turned the they turned the steam shovel into the boiler and the into the furnace for the new courthouse. There's like, yeah, maybe I like being a steam shovel. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, don't 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 make don't make his decisions for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> uh, thankfully, the next one after Diana's piano is uh, significantly uh, cheerier because it's. Oh wait, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, yeah, it's a. Uh... It's 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 maybe a little more hopeful. I would say it's um it's lab animal. You know, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh nineteen uh nineteen eighty um late nineteen eighties lab animals were like a big thing in um the comics. You know, well, like, yeah, like there was the whole um Mary Kay Mary Kay Commandos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this was like the um this was like you know how in the the nineties we we're all like worried about the rainforest. I feel like. Lab animals was kind of like the late '80s equivalent of that, you know. The, although, the thing like, that we even, all agree is bad. Although even even into the '90s, the lab animals bled in because, like in Fern Gully, you got Batty. Mm. Like if you've ever heard the full version of Batty's rap from uh, Fern Gully, like mm-hmm. there's this whole segment that it's basically just Williams, like basically doing like an ensemble performances, like a bunch of scientists torturing animals. Like it's it's weird. It's really weird. That, that and, so, and, then, and then there's the secret of Nim. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. Which you know, um, did you guys know that Nim is a real thing? Is that uh, is it really called that? Yeah. Hmm. I did not know that. I thought it was a fictionalized name for what's probably a real thing. No, they're they're a real thing, and uh, they probably don't really like being associated with that. I'll bet. <laughs> That everyone's like, yeah, I work at Nim. Oh, you mean those guys who like to torture oh. Mrs. Frisbee? Oh, well, it could, could have been worse. Could have been freaking plague dogs. Holy. Oh, yeah. Speaking yeah. of, yeah. But Is that like Hulk dogs? Say what? Is that like Hulk dogs? <laughs> no, What's no. Hulk dogs. <laughs> that was in Ang Lee's Hulk. There were some test animals that underwent the same uh, stuff that uh, Bruce Banner did, <laughs> and so he ends up actually having to fight off these Hulk dogs. <laughs> okay, so basically, play, like real quick, Plague Dogs was originally a 1977 book by Richard Adams, the guy who did Watership Down, but it's way bleaker, way way bleaker than it's Bleaker basically about watership down yeah it's basically about two test animal dogs who after being horribly tortured along with a bunch of other animals they escape but they're on the run because like they the because i think the lab doesn't want people finding out in any way shape or form what the horrible things they're doing so they put out a false like a false report that oh these are dogs with a horrible plague so they're plague dogs you got to catch them and kill them immediately and uh and it's basically them trying desperately to find some sort of solace some paradise away from all the horrors that they're facing and it literally ends like in the original ending for the book and in the ending of the 1982 movie it ends with them swimming out to what they hope is this island that's isolated from humanity and it just ends with them just swimming off into the misty distance and it's like you never see them reach the island it's like they just it's like it's heavily implied they drown but they find damn it's like children of men Mm. yeah pretty much or like we three the uh the the uh Grant Morrison comic about like the the animals in mech suits, <laughs> like, but yeah, it's... hard to make that grim by its definition. But I'm sure you could. And well, now this is the kind of you know sp- you're speaking of Evan Dorkin earlier. This would be a great fodder for beasts of burden kind of things. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, but yeah, it's just it's a like it's a very pretty, very horribly horribly depressing. <laughs> and it's uh yeah but um you know, yeah it's very 
it, it kind of feels like almost in the same vein as lab an- the lab animal segment. Yes. Lab animal. I've got the comic right here and looking at it versus the animated one. Uh, the story is very much the same. It hits all the same beats, but the style is different. The, the art style is a little more Don Bluthish, mm. a little bit. It it it's what I think of as the Cal Arts style. Well, but as opposed to you know how we just described Cal Arts as anything where the mouth goes this way. It's right, like yeah. you know, her. This was one that was co-directed by like Doug Frankel, the Incredibles two guy, and by yeah, it definitely see you see it, and by uh, Phil Roman, the guy who the a founder of the studio that animated this whole seg- this whole special and a bunch of other yeah. field things. And funnily enough, he was also the director of that terrible grandma got run over by a reindeer Christmas special from 2000. <laughs> wow. Wait, it, well, that was great for coming out of retirement, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and he was all- I know Phil Roman. He's actually from Fresno. That's where I'm from. Oh, and really? He's also- Yes, and he was also. Well, I don't know him personally, but I've heard. Of him. And he was also the director of a bunch of Charlie Brown stuff, including Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, and mm. Bone Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. And of course, his the company he started, Film Roman, became the animators for The Simpsons and The Critic. Yep. <laughs> or wait, no, that's something else. No, that was that was Gracie Films. Yeah, I didn't know that. But uh, but yeah, Lab Animal. It like I was saying, I was talking to this with Mike earlier. It reminds me most of the 1994 German animated film Felidae. Oh, I've heard of Felidae. I've seen some parts of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Felidae is basically it's a it's even more of a noir murder mystery than like Babes and Bullets, and it's a lot more graphic, and it, but it involve, doesn't involve anthropomorphic cats, it involves house cats, like super intelligent house cats. And there's like sex and graphic murder, like one cat literally is found beheaded, and like another, oh. another one is like, like a female cat who has literally had her stomach clawed open and like her half-formed cat fetus babies are lying on the ground. Jesus. Yeah, like it's super super fucking dark. It's based on a novel by the, like a no- the first novel in a series of novels by this German author who like sadly enough later turned out to be a super ultra right-wing nutcase who actually shot his mouth off so badly a few years ago during a speech by saying, you know, they're gonna, probably going to reopen the camps uh, here in Germany and put us right-wingers in it. And that got him in so much trouble. Like, literally, like his both his international and his German publisher were like, we're never republishing your stuff. Get the fuck out. <laughs> so wait, you might say then that when he wrote a story about a uh, superior race of super intelligent cats. He might have been. It might have been some sort of metaphor for something else that he was uh, was hoping would happen. Well, no, no. The thing is, like the there actually is a eugenics subplot, like part of the main plot in Felidae, but it's from a vil- like the villain's point of view. So it's like it's like what the hell, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's a very it's a very good movie for the most part, but it's just also very graphic, and it just kind of, like, this is, like, Lab Animal, the animated version, is kind of like Felidae Light, if it came out six years before Felidae. Yeah. Also, it looks, uh, I I know you said Don Bluth animation style, but for some reason, I keep thinking Tailspin when I look at it. Yeah, I see that, too. I was gonna say Oliver also. Mm, mm, Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, you know, Garfield looks exactly like Oliver in this. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that's actually mentioned on the Wikipedia page. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> is uh, But he doesn't die in this, which makes you wonder, like, who he is. Because I don't remember anyone hmm. dying. Let's see. Uh... Unless they show any, like, dead animals in the lab, I can't remember. I don't know. Well, maybe... Well, this... That uh, brings up the question of uh, if you become transmogrified, are you still the same person? Yes. 
Did Garfield's soul get replaced with Odie's? Oh shit! You're right. That so that's how he dies. It's it's ego death. Wow. Yeah, we're now. If you haven't seen it, what happens is this lab cat escapes just before it gets dissected, and they call out the military police and all these dogs to uh, try and catch the cat. And the cat, who has made a daring escape by hanging from the skids of a helicopter, falls into a lake. And just as it as it feels like it might be ready to collapse, undergoes a startling transformation and turns into a dog. And thereupon returning with the military dogs to their kennel, and no one is the wiser, not no, not knowing what the effects were that the uh, cat were was going through. Yeah, like the only, and it kind of has this like Michael Jackson's thriller final shot of the cat. Yes, like a dog with cat's eyes. Yeah, um, this this um, two things about this one I think are interesting. First of all, there's a there's a really kind of like pounding like synthwave soundtrack to this one that's like yeah, really it's like anime. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the other thing is interesting because they mention that the when they when they give him the you know the the uh, the shot they want to see if he's had any order, organ modifications. So presumably they are. This is an intentional result. So they have invented a formula for turning cats into dogs. Because uh, well, certainly that's going to have military applications. I just think it's funny. It's like, geez, if only there was a way we could make dogs. It's unfortunate dogs are, are a finite resource we could never make more of. If only we had a formula to do this. Well, maybe what they're doing is looking up a way to make cheap purebreds. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's... If you, if you haven't read the Wikipedia... or not Wikipedia. If you haven't read the creepypasta, The Goodest Dog... Look up that one. It's a good one. Mm. Ooh, okay. You'll have to link me that. I will. All right. And uh, so after that, uh, do y'all have anything else to say about that segment? Um, it's very, it's kind of cut and dried, actually. It's, uh, you know, for something as spooky and mysterious as it is, there isn't that much more to it beyond my layout of the uh, plot. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that uh, it's, you know, it's nice that um, it's got a, you know, an actual plot beginning, middle and end, you know, um, which is goes by in like three minutes. So there's a lot of good economy of storytelling in this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, also anyone who might've had a budding transformation fetish as a kid, rate the cat's transformation into a dog. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was, I don't know. Just, I just think it was interesting. I just thought it was interesting <laughs> when I watched this, you know, I was like, huh, huh. <laughs> I think, what I think is interesting is that the transformation sequence first had the cat turn into a wolf and then a dog. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, oh, that's interesting. Got it. Makes me made me think a little bit of the uh, the animated commercial for that Super Nintendo game, uh, Secret of Evermore. Like, oh yeah, like where like you 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 play as basically Marty McFly with a dog, and every time you, a different time period world, your dog transforms. Like it's a huge wolf in caveman times. It's a it's a a, a greyhound in antiquity. It's a poodle in medieval times, and it's a Doctor Who robot dog in the future. <laughs> it's a neat game. That was a but, that was a game that I felt, you know, I felt like it didn't really pre- really uh, deliver on the promise of its premise, so to speak. I mean, the idea of so so. B movies are the are the new mythology. Okay, we can build something around that. But then all the B movies they used were made up parodies. It didn't really it didn't really sell the idea. Like there's plenty of movies that are in the public domain you could have used. You could have you could have used the giant Gila monster. It I th- I think it's a pre- I think it's a pretty neat little game, but I do get what you mean. That is kind of, yeah. Kind of a, it's it, it could have been better. Uh, so I guess the next segment. So the next one is Garfield. 
Oh. Aren't you glad we're trying to get to watch some Garfield? Yeah, it's like I, I've heard of this. I've heard of this Garfield. What, what is Garfield? What is what is that Garfield? What is that darn Garfield up to this time? Some wacky adventures, well, no doubt. Well, here's the deal: we, we planted all of these fish. We made a field of gar. And... Oh, boo! Oh, wackity <laughs> doo. Gar is good. Gar is fat. Let us thank Jim for the cat. <laughs> according to according to Wikipedia, this this segment is generally considered, at least the cartoon version is generally considered to be a prequel to the nineteen eighty three special Garfield on the Town. Well, yeah. Now, I I have a problem with this one. Okay, I protest this rewrite of history. That removes Lyman from Odie's in- introduction. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, they've they've Trotskyed him. Yeah, <laughs> they've snowballed him. <laughs> not the not the gross kind of snowball. The <laughs> the animal. No, I'm just imagining like going in John's basement, just like a like a horrible semen covered corpse. (laughs) (laughs) The mustache has overgrown his whole body now. (laughs) But yeah, we we get to see Garfield's mother. It's always she's always welcome. Yes. Is she in only the, in this and uh, on the town? Is she ever in anything else? Um, she was she was in a couple of actual uh, specials. Well, she well she was in a couple of uh, comic strips because hmm. there was a comic strip that Garfield on the town was derived from. Oh, and yep. There's also I remember seeing one thing where Garfield was doing his uh, act on the fence, and there's applause coming through the audience. And then we zoom out, and it's just his mother. <laughs> yeah, that was a cute bit. Yeah, I'm looking her up on the Garfield wiki right now. Uh, she also is mentioned in Garfield Goes Hollywood, apparently. And also, uh, apparently, um, his separation from his mother is similar to that of Orson from U.S. Acres. Uh, if you say so. Yeah, I I, I don't know enough about Orson well, the, to really uh, say whether. Well, the very first strip is Orson's birth, where his mother says to him, "Welcome to the world, Orson." Thanks, mom. Hey, mom, I've got a question. What's a world? Hmm. Hmm. It's yeah. Hmm. I I like the uh, the retcon that uh, or the farm that Orson lives on is in fact the Arbuckle farm. Oh, whoa, whoa! Wait, because there's been at least because uh, there's been a few car- comics since the end of U.S. Acres, where Garfield visits the farm with John and uh, he gets to meet uh, Roy and Orson. Wow, really? Yeah, I this is canon now. Wow, I know this. Now there was a little girl living on this farm, so. I don't know. Maybe the Arbuckles had another daughter late in life. Wait, but, I don't, or maybe they just—I don't remember that. That—that's how Orson came to the farm in the first place. He was—they were gonna, you know, Wilbur him on a stump because he was a runt. But a little girl adopted him. And well, took him to her. it is canon from the Garfield of Friends TV series that um, John does have a niece. Oh, well, she is, maybe he's a girl that looks exactly like John and talks in Valley Girl talk. And um, <laughs> so they have a, a translator, like, translate her things. It's the running gag of the episode. But I assume that since he's got a niece, that means Doc Boy has smashed, because Doc, that is his only brother. So, And, and uh, he, also, uh, he also has a, uh, in, the, in the, like, the 3D French-Canadian animated Garfield series from recent years, there's also, like, an episode where he has, like, two twin nieces that are, like, the bane of Garfield's existence, because they're always, like, like, I, th- I think 
play, like trying to play with him, like play Dolly with him, and it's just like torture for him. <laughs> but it's, I think one of them's named Drusilla. Like that just. What? Drusilla. Like, Drusilla. <laughs> well, we didn't want this child. Let's give her a name she'll hate. <laughs> okay. Sorry to any Drusillas out there. Um, but anyway, so we, this episode. Oh, I want to add. Yes. Here's here we are in the book. Speaking of Doc Boy, this one's credited as Garfield, written by Jim Davis, illustrated by Gary Barker and Valette Hildebrand, color by Doc Davis. Oh, huh. shit! The real Doc Boy. Wow. wow. Um. Wow, uh, that's that's. I didn't know that he that um the doc. I, yeah, just like just like Matt Groening, he named the family members after his family. He really does have a little brother that they always called Doc Boy. That's wow. Um, I I didn't know the Doc Boy ever worked on any uh pausing stuff though. That's interesting. Me neither. <laughs> one uh, one joke that like just one joke from the comic that they left out that I just uh, just tickles me to this day is uh, when Garfield as a kitten is in the pet store and he's like oh like how do you get how do you get adopted and like the the cat that kind of looks a little vaguely like him but it's fluffier is kind of like well you just act cute and a human adopts you and Garfield's like that shouldn't take long I don't know about that old Eli's been here 14 years <laughs> you just see a decrepit old cat on his back in the in the corner, just going, I'm cute. Take me home. Bury me. <laughs> yeah, they cut those last couple lines out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That that's funny. Yeah, you know. Now it's interesting to see John buying Garfield in a pet shop. Is he was he all is that canon? Is that a thing before this? I uh, do they ever mention how how actually, you know what? I think he. I think, I think that is canon. Okay. I feel like that there was actually a series of Garfield strips where, um, that that recounted this this um him originally being an Italian restaurant and uh, getting kicked out for you know eating the pasta and ending up in a pet store. I feel like that it was. I feel like it was really old because the style was style Garfield. You know where he's. He's more jowly. Yeah, yeah. The uh, before he got fixed, more or less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I never know how to answer that. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I feel like that is canon, though. Um, also, uh, am I wrong? But in in the um, in the comic book version, when Garfield and Odie are old, do they have like white beards? Uh. No. Oh no, they don't. Okay, because for some reason I remember them as having like beards, and then when I saw they that old they did not grow incongruous human beards when they got old, I was kind of confused. The, the, oh, you're probably thinking of the Rip Van Garfield strip, yeah, the one where Garfield sleeps for twenty years and everyone's got a white beard. He's Liz. Yes. Oh, I do remember that. Liz is also bald. I remember. And then, <laughs> yeah. and, there, and there's like a Mad Max kid, and there's like a Mad Max kid, like get the net, ma. This one looks like a. F like, looks like we're having fresh meat for dinner. <laughs> Some things had really changed. <laughs> <laughs> this is great because we, we just know all these by heart and we can just quote them back and forth. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just, I just remember that one strip like of like when like John's in the park with Garfield and all these men like are getting like basically getting cooed over by all these very attractively drawn pet bird and John just kind of like splats a ice cream cone over Garfield's muscle. That's like, Hey lady, want to see, want to see my parrot? And she's like, does it talk? And Garfield's just like the stories I could tell. <laughs> I got that one a little confused with the one with the people who look like their pets. Oh Yeah. <laughs> One of them is just this towering bird man with a bird in a cage that he's taking for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> As you do. You know, if you're going to take your bird for a walk, make, make sure that you have a rag over your shoulder. That's, 
That's uh, no fun for just being a cage. That that is yeah. that is a good uh good rule of thumb. Uh so is there anything I mean this is a pretty like typical Garfield story, honestly. So Yeah, the story here is just Garfield is born. Yeah, rocks let's see. Ro- rolls in the ravioli, frolics in the fittage, sells lasagna in sight, as as it said, and gets sold to a pet shop, gets bought by John, makes himself at home in John's house. John goes back to the pet shop and buys Odie, who Garfield saw earlier, and o- Garfield does not take to Odie until Odie pulls him out of traffic, and Garfield says, I'll always be grateful. And then we cut to ten years later, Garfield and Odie are both old and wrinkled, and Garfield's got a bunch of grand kittens surrounding him, and he's telling the story of how he saved Odie from traffic. So, yeah. so once again, the theme of Garfield taking Odie for granted, even when he says he won't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's thematic with the arc of the, the special. Um, but it's, it's a pretty, you know, um, it's a pretty typical Garfield story. Yeah. Was that a microphone or someone eating cereal? I think it must be a microphone. <laughs> okay. Um. But anyway. Uh. So yeah. So that was uh, that was that was Garfield, his eighth life. Yes. What a short life it was. He doesn't yeah. die in it, though. It, no, he doesn't. Nope. Oh, I guess he was the. Uh, I guess he was the one who was. Uh, I'm cute. Take me home. Bury me. <laughs> It would be weird to realize that Garfield is not Garfield in his current life. <laughs> He's been watching some imposter this entire time. Heathcliff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But the last one, Space Cat. This one is a very interesting thing because... It's very true to the book, but it also underwent the most extensive rewrite from page to screen. Mm. All right. That's right. Because, well, well, um, because I believe on screen, he's an actual space cat. That is yes. not the case in the book. Yes. It, it works out more or less the same up until, you know, because what we're seeing is this cat who is lost in space and doesn't actually know... He doesn't know why he's there in the first place, but the uh, the computer informs him that they are that it's a science experiment, and they're observing what a cat does when he's on his ninth life. Which is interesting. Is like okay, so in the future we'll be able to measure that. Yeah. Wow. Boy, what if you could take? Yeah, what if you could take your cat to the vet and they could tell you what life they're. <laughs> Whoa. I'll just cut them in half and cut count the rings. <laughs> it's, like, it's like getting a little black mirror now. <laughs> so, and he's he's threatened by hostile aliens who in in the book the aliens identify. Well, the leader of the aliens identifies himself as uh, Commander Levinson. Commander, leader of the incredibly huge galactic war fleet, and in the uh, animated animated special, the name is changed to Commander Mendelssohn, clearly named after Lee Mendelssohn, the producer of this special. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. So they're so they're counting down to blowing him up, and he's struggling trying to find a way to get his ship into hyperdrive and get get out of there or arm his weapons which have been declawed because he's a cat Just, yes and the and the timer keeps ticking down and just as he's about to blow up it says game over because he was in an arcade the whole time in some sort of weird virtual reality experience in the book that is but after but instead they do something totally different in the animated scene and once again, we insert, we reinsert Odie into the story. Mm, yes. Well, uh, in in the comic segment, he's like the basis for the ship's like AI, and it's also true in the cartoon. But in also in the cartoon, go ahead. Go on. You can. Oh, 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 sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say also in the cartoon, like there's like a clone maker for 
cloning crewmates to help run the ship. And when you know it, instead of being a bunch of Garfields, it's a bunch of Odies. <laughs> that bothered me, though, because if you're going to clone something, you got to clone something that already exists. It doesn't just make a clone out of... Like, there's no Odie to clone. He's yeah, it's more like an Odie 3D printer. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, this was made in, what, 1989. Maybe they understand clone technology like we do today <laughs> well may well presumably they had all the uh, information on file and they were just making odies out of whatever you know self-replicating fungus goop they had on on board yeah <clears throat> but yeah so they make odies he makes a whole bunch of odies and um he shoots them at the he shoots them at the mendelssohn but out of odie missiles but it turns out mendelssohn has <laughs> a satellite um, shaped like a fire hydrant that he shoots back and that distracts the Odies because they're dogs. Yes, and he has he has a little extra time to work with. This is My favorite joke in this is when he's saying, uh, guys, can you give me a little more time? This place is a mess and I just couldn't meet my maker looking like this. Come on, have a heart! Oh, sorry, we of the IHGWF have no hearts. We do have our appreciate a tidy ship. We will give you seven minutes instead of five. Before we atomize. <laughs> <laughs> also, kind of an it's kind of neat. Like the uh, both in the in the original comic and in the cartoon, they kind of, like the design of the ship of Garfield's ship is like a goldfish, whereas the ones of the H the IHGWF kind of like look vaguely shark like. Yes. Also, Garfield's own design is different. He has red stripes instead of black. Yep. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know how that's futuristic, or if it just means that. Oh, maybe it means this is a descendant of Garfield and Arlene. Oh, well, Garfield is reincarnated as his own descendant. <laughs> He's and... like Link, kind of. Yeah. Um. Man, uh, I thought this was kind of. I remember in the the. Um... The book it's a little strange because it's it's the uh, it's the one that looks like closest to Garfield style yet also the least like Garfield style at the same time. It's a little off. Yeah, there's a little bit of uncanny valley going on. Like, you know, not not in the design so much as things like the coloring style and the line weight and things like that. All these things that are too subtle for you to put into words when you're a small child reading these things. Yeah. It's sort of sort of like how when I was a kid I I knew that full house and cheers looked different but I couldn't explain that it was because one was shot on video and the other was shot on film. Mm, yeah. And I was I I was like is cheers a cartoon? <laughs> Cuz it looks less real but I'm not sure how. Yeah, I remember that when <laughs> when they like what old soap operas which were all on video. It's like what what is wrong? Something's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the artist for the like the Space Cat segment also like Jim Clements uh, also uh, did some of the art for Primal Self and some mm. other sort of like creepy and different like different uh, Garfield products aside from the actual comic like Garfield's Ghost Stories. <laughs> mm. Oh shit! I remember that one. That yeah, one, like, that one is good. Yeah, like with Garfield and Nerva looking terrified on the bunch of goofy looking ghosts are haunting him. Yeah, I remember that one. That's the one where uh, John's computer uh, tries to take over the world. Yep. Um. So also, you know, at, at the end of Space Cat, when he comes out of the arcade, they're like kids in the arcade, like human kids. Yeah, it's like modern day. And he, yeah, so. And he's thinking at them like to let me keep playing it. So this is the only. So this is. He's. It's like now, but he's like. He can... Yeah. Also, also looking at the door, that is absolutely the flux capacitor, isn't it? Oh. oh let me let me let me see. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice little subtle touch there. But. <laughs> So yeah, this is Garfield's ninth life, and it seems to be... I mean, when did kids stop going to the arcade? Early, if at all. Early 2000s? Mid-2000s? Early 2000s. So yeah, 
maybe this isn't just Garfield and uh, Arlene's descendant. Maybe he's their literal son. Maybe this is Garfield Jr. Wow. That'd be weird. Wait, oh. <laughs> so so Garfield... big for... Oh, God, that's depressing to think that means Garfield has died before his son was born. <laughs> or, well, since, ever... he, since he was talking to his grandkittens, maybe it's their great-grandson. Ah yes, that would probably be it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That 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 would that makes that that's I can buy that. I buy that. Um. What? Well, what if? Uh, what if Arlene just praying mantis him? You know, she <laughs> hasn't yet gotten pregnant, and then she just vores him the fucking. Oh, I, I just think that'd be interesting. She does have a praying mantis anatomy. That's true. Head. <laughs> 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 I guess she should have gotten serious about fixing that gap in her teeth. <laughs> yes, she didn't actually mean to eat him. She just oh. inhaled him because it was so good. Like, oh, you were great. Or it's like they are like it's like what's with the gap in your teeth? Oh, those, oh, these aren't teeth. Those are mandibles. <laughs> click, click, click. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and in the uh. In the cartoon, it ends differently. Yes, very differently. Garfield and Odie. Oh, there's only one Odie by the end. He's he's kept one while the others all uh, speed off in their Odie-shaped spaceships after the fire hydrant, and that and they do in fact get blown up, and they end up in front of the godlike figure from the opening. Yep. And he says. And Garfield makes the case that you know it wasn't fair for me to have to have to end up like that. That was an that was the kind of experiment no one should have to be subjected to. And God is like, well, you're right. And I, I am. Yes, we'll give you your life back. Which which life was it? You, you don't know. Yeah, we. Well, the computers are down today. It was my first life. Yeah. All right. And, is your friend a cat too? <laughs> and Odie is like, um, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, sure, sure, he's a cat too. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> so Odie, Odie gets nine lives too. So that's why you keep seeing him throughout history, I guess. Yeah. And uh, and at the very end, which is was also the twist of the opening segment of the comic, it's like as they as they go back to life, it shows a shot of the god figure, and he has cat eyes and a cat face and he goes we have to stick together you know but you know if you put that in this context that means he's the final evolution of the cat from lab animal oh 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 my god oh my dog like dog is god spelled backwards oh my god (laughs) Whoa, you guys ever look at your hand? Like, I've been doing that for an hour now. Uh, <laughs> wow. No, but they so got so Garfield Garfield. Wait a second. Garfield is not only Garfield, Garfield is the god that had created himself. So Gar so he evolved into God and then created himself as an avatar. And um, yeah. Gar so Garfield is the son of God? And no, that would be thy name. Well, I mean, if Garfield is the son of God, and we and, and is God, and yeah, is God, and, and and not only that, but like we mentioned, we made jokes earlier that the God in this in the animated special looks like Jim Henson. Oh my god! I'm, I'm trying to, I'm try- and Jim Henson kind of looked like Jesus. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Where does it end? <laughs> well, when you get into the whole kind of look like thing, then you can do anything. That's like, that's like you're trying to interpret uh, Nostradamus by saying, "Well, if we turn this letter around and spell this letter word backwards," or it's like the number twenty three <laughs> conspiracy. <laughs> oh well, wow. This um, was This was very fun to wait, I, I, This was I feel like I've experienced a lot more than nine lives. I, I have a question. 
Um, Ethan, you said it's actually 14 lives? Uh, yeah, 14. Okay, and because we got the nine original from the, the book. Yes. And then in the television special, you add in uh, King, uh, King Cat, uh, Court Musician, Lannis Piano, and... Stunt Cat. Stunt Cat. So, no, so that's nine, and for, ten, eleven. And, and yeah. that's 13, though. Where's the 14th? Let's see. Cave Cat... The Vikings, Babes and Bullets, The Exterminators, King Cat, In the Garden, Primal Self, Musician, Stunt Cat, Diana's Piano, Lab Animal, Garfield, Space Cat. Oh, I guess it was 13. I don't, I don't know where I got the four. Actually, though, it's, um, it's more, than, more than that, though, because I just realized, apparently. Yes. Oh, did you see this, too? No. From 2014 to 15, Boom Studios adapted his nine lives across four comics. Yep. And it's, again, they they change it up again. So it's got Cave Cat, it's got King Cat, but then there's Pirate Cat, Cowboy Cat, Super Cat, then Babes and Bullets, then Lab Cat, which I assume is Lab Animal, and Space Cat. So that's another and three Pirate new Cat. ones. Yeah, so you got like, um, so that's 30, there's 16 lives. I actually own the trade. Actually own the trade paperback of that collection. Like it's it's okay. It's, oh, so no. So it's not as good as the one that we've been reading. No. Mm. I mean it's it's fine. It's it's very adequate. I feel like at this time Garfield has settled into much more stable groove. It's much more predictable than it used to be. That's true. You don't get wacky stuff like this anymore. Well, the thing is, this is actually one of those comic projects that's... There have been a lot of, like, non-comic strip Garfield comics in recent years from Boom Studios. And, like, some of them have been pretty good from what I understand, but some of them... Eh. Like, the Garfield Grumpy Cat crossover was very kind of... Eh. Wow. Hmm. 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 Because well, Grumpy are... Cat had her own comic. Do you think Grumpy Cat was one of Garfield's nine lives? Maybe. If that's so, then like meeting himself or her himself as herself. It's like the five doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean that like they just clip? Like for the fourth Garfield, they just clipped out uh, stuff from an unused Garfield comic and just spliced it in to make it seem like he was there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a Garfield minus. That's the fourth Garfield. <laughs> Whoa. Now, which raises the question Is there a Garfield shattered glass universe? <sighs> Now I'm just imagining Garfield as written by Stephen Moffat, and that's that's a terrible thought. <laughs> Stephen who? Stephen Moffat, the guy who wrote uh, who, oh, who wrote a lot ooh. of new. Oh, that, that the guy who's a monster. Oh, the yeah, guy who I've wrote Sherlock. Mm. He he looks like a he looks I don't know he looks like the word bangers and mash. <laughs> just a just a lumpy sausage. Does he look like Smitty? <laughs> uh, not that. Not that rotund. He's kind of more dumpy. Kind of. He's more well fed than like super beast. Mm. But but yeah. He's and he's. I don't know. He's he's got. He looks like a smug motherfucker, just like he actually is. Uh. Very much laughing at his own jokes. Uh. Oh, we never do that. Oh. Thank God we're not like that. <laughs> yeah, this. Well, I mean, I don't know if y'all want to talk about anything else, but just it's like thank y'all for having me. Oh, we are always. Hey, you're welcome back anytime. You have something that you've got uh, that you have to uh, talk about uh, in front of everyone with a couple of giggling douches. We're here. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Before we end, is there anything else that we should say about uh, Garfield and his nine lives? Um, they really should have made a full version 
the song from Court Musician, mm. like the fuck, because that that's the real toe tapper, and it was like the the ending ditty for the ending credits. Yeah, yep. good, good blues number. Uh, yeah, just I think there should have also been Garfield his nine livers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is one I. This is one I had jaundice. This is one I had cirrhosis. <laughs> this is from. This is Hep A, Hep B, Hep C. <laughs> Speaking of Hep C. <laughs> oh, that's terrible! You are terrible. <laughs> hep C man. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Hep I chat. think we have now, um, now that we've gotten three hours of um, content out of Garfield's Nine Lives book and yes. cartoon. Oh, one last thing though: do you, do either of you have a preference? If you had to pick either the special or the comic book, which which is a stronger collection in your in your opinion? Hmm. I'm gonna be honest. Just just from today, after going over both, like both have their strengths, but I had a much like I I don't know like I had a really really fun time with like the the animated special and like and it got me mm. to cry. So with the Diana's piano, so yeah, points for real genuine pathos. Yeah, I don't know. I would go with uh, I. I feel like that they are not necessarily separable. I think you have to take them as the duo because they're both of them make up for the shortcomings of the other. Hmm. Yeah, so it's I feel that they are compa- they are worthy companions to each other because there are some things that just don't work out so well in the uh in the comic that that I think they do a lot better in the uh, animated special, and there are things in the animated special that don't really work, like the this, like the uh, the stunt cat bit. But uh, there are, but it makes up for it with the addition of the themes that ties it all together into a thing. Right. So it, I guess my recommendation is, if you can find the DVD collection that has Garfield is Nine Lives. Uh, fantasy yeah certainly don't look uh, for it on youtube you'll never find it there (laughs) yeah like if if you if you're looking to do it on the cheap then go to youtube it's it's, jim davis isn't going to i don't i don't think he's gonna go to the poor house if you go to youtube (laughs) yeah i hear you i hear you okay he's got a whole He's got a whole Abu Dhabi uh, pizza franchise now, so but, yeah. Going good I, for yeah. Order something from Garfield Eats to make up for. Yeah. It. <laughs> and uh, and I do recommend also, like it's not in print anymore. Uh, like the the current one is in print, but like the old version of the comic is not in print. But because it's a Garfield thing that was published in the eighties, there's used copies out the wazoo all over the place, so you can get it pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah. I never owned it as a kid, but I ordered. I got one from Amazon a while ago, and it's still got its eight ninety five price sticker from B Dalton. Oh, mm. I miss B Dalton. Wow, I remember that. That's a blast from the past. Um, uh, I used to. The, I, oh, man, the bookstore. When the bookstores died, the mall died. I remember, like every mall, you'd have two bookstores. You'd have a B Dalton and a Walden's. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. I know it's like and now um yeah any good used bookstore though is going to have at least like 10 copies of this right next to the prehistory of the far side which <laughs> is also a great book um oh, yeah. yeah why didn't they make a movie of that oh well, i guess they probably couldn't have yeah well they they made... i mean it's it's a retrospective there isn't like a yeah. narrative going on but still it is nice that they at least made you know tales from the far side yeah yes yeah I... You can you can make a movie out of anything. They made a movie of what to expect when you're expecting. Was it any good? It doesn't have a narrative. They, I didn't see it. They uh, made it. They made a Lego yeah, that, movie. Yeah, and knowing me, that means something. Yeah, I was right. gonna say like, wow, that must have been a real. That must have been a real stinker. <laughs> you were like, now I'll pass on this. <laughs> Man, you know, how do you make? How do you adapt a dry textbook to film and have the film? be worse 
Let's find out. <laughs> wow. All, all I remember hearing about that movie was just something that was really lifted from the book, which was just, you never know how much you love someone after your, their ass for them. <laughs> I'm sorry, you cut out a bunch there. What? Uh, okay, like, I just remember, the only thing I remember from the movie, hearing about the movie, was a line that was directly taken from the original book, which was, you never know how much you love someone until you have to wipe their ass for them. <laughs> Wait, I, I, I didn't... My understanding of what happens during pregnancy apparently is very different from reality. <laughs> I, I was under the impression you could usually still wipe your own ass. No, apparently... No. <laughs> I think they mean the baby that results. Oh! I'm Okay, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I was like, wait, your wife gets pregnant and then she can't wipe her ass? Okay. Is this like. Well, I mean, if you're doing it right. I mean, I was thinking, like, but... oh, it was like, maybe there's some. I was like, did this person wrote this textbook? Did their. Did, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm assuming that, like, their wife and it's not, like, the wife who wrote it. Is it written by a <laughs> man or woman? I don't know. Um, so, what's this whole pregnancy thing, right? Hey? Yeah, I was like, it was like, it was like, did, what sort of horrible complication is there that happened where they can no longer wipe their ass? I'm. I'm I. Jeez. You ever see the movie Freaked? It's oh, it's like... <laughs> a great movie. <laughs> so, so basically, the human worm is uh, is how do worms reproduce? Uh, they're uh, they are they have both genders. They impregnate each other, and then they just you know that thing that looks like a forkin on them. They just uh, slip that off, and it's eggs. Wait, is that for real? That's for real. Yeah. So it's huh. like if you met a pregnant woman and she just takes off her belly like a bowl and sets it down and it's full of squirming babies. Huh. Oh, worms are weird. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not one. Uh, yeah. I know it's... Squirm, squirm. It's like, it's I'm like glad I'm normal. Not like a worm. <laughs> yeah, woodworks <laughs> weeks and out come the freaks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start looking down on worms in the hell. This stupid worm. <laughs> I've got a great article for your newspaper. It's all about how I hate worms. <laughs> no, I'm just like... But that's not news. Everyone knows you hate worms. Well, I mean, you know, there's like... There's a hair in my dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have new reason to hate worms. It's because, because I'm, I'm sexually prejudiced against them now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good reason to hate something. Yeah. Another, another, like, and I... Like, another good reason to hate worms... Because Doug Tenafel, Earthworm Jim. Oh, that's gym. right. He's he's bad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, Doug Tenafel, who uh, who purposefully called out one of my friends on Twitter, uh, suggesting we come up with an alternate uh, version of Earthworm Jim that we can use without being without feeling like we're paying an asshole. So wait, I mean, wait, I... wait, Doug, what? Okay. I'm sorry. I gotta hear this whole story. I want to hear this. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Garfield's fifteenth wife was <laughs> that was being my friend Title Known, who we've mentioned a few times here. Now, Title is really big into the whole uh, into the whole. Ca- Darn it! What do you even call? Oh, that? Creative it's been Commons. So long since I've... Creative yeah, Commons. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's really into Creative Commons and the uh, and general public domain. So he invented this public domain alternative to uh, Earthworm Jim, and Doug Tenepel uh, found found it on Twitter and retweeted it to uh, basically uh, le- levy the troops against this uh, against this lefty piece of crap that was trying to rip off Earthworm Jim or whatever. I don't. Even, I didn't even read it. I was just like, man, man, fuck this guy. Wow. Like I've I've personally gotten tweeted by Doug Tenafel and I actually I still it, like for the first two Genesis games and for the cartoon that was based on the Genesis games I hold some affection and I personally yeah. believe I personally believe that Jim himself is an intersex hermaphrodite yeah. like in a in a polyamorous relationship with the princess who is trans is a trans woman and and just stuff like that and just it's like because you know fuck doug to fuck everything yeah. about that fuck stick like <laughs> levy his creations against him and just like 
God, he is. He and is such a anything else, you know, just like just rub it in his face. Nobody liked the Clayman. Nobody. <laughs> Truth. No, and like, and you and was he behind Skull Monkeys? Yes. Nobody liked that either. I I I feel bad. I backed Arm. David Perry is the real creator. <laughs> I, feel, I feel I feel bad. I I backed Arm Dog because because it because that was back when I was enjoying his graphic mm. novels before I found out that he was like right wing nut bar. Yeah, and also it had I Mike mean, Nelson from MST3K as the titular Armacrog. But yeah, I, I'm not. I'm really not happy that Mike continues to uh, work with him. But no, I mean, at least Mike is enough not to uh, speak up about his right wing beliefs. Yeah. yeah, and I think even Mike would is not like a 45 support beast. No, no. I mean, he was. He never said. He never said a word about it. Yeah. I, mean, I just feel I just feel pretty bad. I kind of feel bad for him when he said in an interview from like 20 years ago that I kind of feel like the Democrats are trying to turn things into silly America. What we're into is a serious like, boy, they called you on that, didn't they? Yeah, uh, I can't. I'm so it's, I can't believe that Doug Tenapel is a piece of shit. It really sucks. Um, I I'm so, I, I'm gonna go I don't know if I would listen. I'm just gonna go. I'm so depressed. I'm gonna go read some Harry Potter and watch some Father Ted because I'm sure there's <laughs> no baggage on the creators of those those things. Yeah. Oh I'm no! Go it watch turns out Bill Cosby himself and Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> well, to be fair, Ren and Stimpy was like. Bob Camp was the real hero behind Ren and Stimpy. Lots of people were the real heroes behind Ren and Stimpy. I mean, it was, like, you know, as like much, even, in as much as what John did do, I mean, people like, uh, oh, who's the one that just died? What was his name? Damn. Chris something or other. Chris Riccardi. He was, he was the one that drew some of the best things that we still remember, like the image, the, the famous image of Ren floating in the bathtub and exploding it all over the room. That was him. Yeah, and uh, I forget her name. I feel terrible about this. Uh, it was actually like this, this female artist and storyboarder who actually was the one who mastered like drawing all the sexy lady that would show up from time to time. Was it Eleanor Blake? Yes. Or was it Lynn Naylor? Well, or, one of those two, yeah. Or one of the... Yeah, one of the two. But either way, I just remember Bob Camp talking about her, and uh, and just kind of like how like yeah, she really like she really blazed the trails for like, and like any I think she was also the like like behind like you know the uh, True Beverly Hills that that eighties movie. That, oh yeah, yeah. Like uh, I think she was the character designer for, like the animated segment in that. So. Yeah, but that's either the thing way, about it... animation is that it's not just a one-person thing, and unless it's, you know, unless it's something very unusual like uh, Bill Plimpton, I mean, or like Bill Plimpton Windsor didn't... McKay, Windsor McKay, yeah, like the Little Nemo guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's that's such a trailblazy thing that I mean, where was he going to hire animators? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I kind of have to. Well, get we going sure got bed. on a, we sure got on a uh, sad kick kick there. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. well, it's okay. Okay, I mean, you know, it's it's eh, it happens, but it's been an absolute pleasure uh, being on with y'all. And I, yeah. like I said, I'll uh, I'll give y'all links. So if y'all are okay with linking my uh, my gum road page with my uh my short story collection yeah yeah and we'd like uh, to invite extend this invitation to anyone who has a something to uh something to promote with us and b some some comic some comic based uh tv special that they just have to say something about because you know people like us who actually think about these things are rare enough. We need to stick together, you know? Yeah. Ah, we need more. Ah. We all need more lives. Nice. Well, it's been a pleasure having you. And um, hopefully we will uh, have some. We will We will have some Gar's Nine Lives. Nine Lives of Garfield. All right. Yeah, and I'll. Uh, all right. Good night.
Let's just say I have a uh, collection. Okay, I'm, I'm stopping. Stop there. Yeah. We got that. Wow, we went to three hours. That's a new record. Dilbert. Yeah. Even more than Dilbert. We didn't even talk about Jim Davis as a man. No, we didn't. Well, what's to well, say? Yeah, true. Good point. 